Welcome to the Redeemer Anglican Church of Asheville special podcast number 500. I don't even know anymore, but it is another special podcast. We have a amazingly special guest with us today. Did I say enough specials in there, Jonathan? That was just the right amount, I think. All right. So with us today is our king of music, the music director at Redeemer, Jonathan Atkinson. And we're just going to do what we've done with some of the other folks uh, that are on staff at Redeemer, kind of introduce um, what music means to you. It sort of sounds like I'm a, it's like a high school yearbook. What does music mean to you, Jonathan? <laughs> really, ultimately, what we're trying to do is sort of, if someone was just kind of went on the website and, and wanted to hear, I mean, obviously, we could put up some some of our greatest hits. Uh, and we heard a few of them this week, actually, this weekend. But it, since you're the music director and leader, what, what's your? let's start by saying what is why do we even have music? There's some churches that don't even have it. What's your, what's your, if somebody said, Hey John, why do we even need music? What would you say? Yeah. So I would say, um, well, first I'd want to clarify just a little bit. When you say music, do you mean instruments or do you mean like any kind of music at all? Well, don't get crazy on me here, Jonathan. That's what you're here for. So <laughs> yeah. even okay. before we do that, let's, let's start by, let's give you, you know, what I usually do, and I should have done this time, but it's a little bit of background on who you are and how you got to Redeemer. And then we'll talk about a little bit more about music, the vocals and the instruments and all that stuff. So we'll parse it out a little bit, but let's start by talking about how'd you end up at Redeemer? How'd you get into music? Because you're an amazing musician and you play every week. So what, how'd you get here? Okay, sure. I'll try to keep it pretty brief. Um, so I grew up in the charismatic tradition, Pentecostal, Assemblies of God Not, tradition. Oh, me too. AOG. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, AOG. Uh, that, that's what I grew up in. Um, so growing up, music was a part of church. I didn't have real strong opinions on it. Uh, I It was there. I wasn't particularly engaged with it, but I appreciated it for what it was. Um, but it was more sort of, we had a really like strong, thriving youth group. And I was a skateboarder, BMXer. And so me and all of my skateboarding friends got really into music, uh, punk rock, hardcore stuff. Nice. And it just so happened that uh, our youth pastor at the time would let us play music there. So I got into music sort of via the church, uh, and as far as it gave me an outlet to play music, but it wasn't playing church music per se. And so all of the music I was exposed to growing up was relatively modern in some sense, uh, as far as church music goes. Um, it wasn't until later in life, in college, that I started going to some non-denominational churches and then eventually Presbyterian, a Presbyterian church in Greenville, South Carolina, downtown Pres that I started hearing a lot of hymns, and I was just really moved by the hymns. So I, I sort of fell in love with hymns there. Um, stylistically, they even did something kind of similar to what we do. Uh, and then when I moved back to Asheville, um, I started attending uh, a church here in town. A lot of my friends went to, and they also sang a lot of hymns, and I ended up doing music there. I was one of four other uh, music leaders. We had four different teams. Uh, that did music there, and we would rotate once a month. And part of what we did there, uh, that was also a church plant that had grown into a thriving church. And so we would help other church plants if they needed musicians for a week or two. Uh, and so that's how I got connected with Redeemer, actually. Uh, and it was kind of on my radar, because we would get emails a lot, this church needs a worship leader, or this church needs someone to fill in on music. Uh, and we would, I wouldn't personally do every single one, 
But when I saw there was an Anglican church uh, in town that needed help, uh, it sort of piqued my interest because I had gotten into a lot of writers, theologians that were at least loosely connected to uh, Anglicanism, mainly Stanley Hauerwas and N.T. Wright. They were really influential on me at the time. And so I volunteered to help. I met Father Gary. He and I had a lot in common. Initially, I I wasn't planning on like moving churches and being at Redeemer, mainly because I didn't feel like I was in the place in life where I wanted to be part of a church plant. Uh, but after the first couple of services, I just really knew that's where I wanted to be. We just had my daughter, Ada, who's eight now, but she was like three months old at the time. Uh, and I sort of knew that this is where I wanted my daughter to be raised. Also, as a musician, it was just incredibly relieving for me to do music in that context with the liturgy. Uh, I didn't have to introduce every song. I didn't have to talk a lot. Um, I could just focus on the music. And that was really freeing to me um, as a musician. So that's how I ended up in a, you know, a really briefly, it might not have seemed so brief <laughs> for people listening, but, uh, you know, to truncate my story down to how I got Redeemer, that would be my path there. Well, that's interesting because I've known you for a long time and I didn't know that part of the story. Being raised Catholic and then having your mom take you when you're 14 to an AOG church, it's quite the experience. <laughs> yeah, so I can but... appreciate the uh, the slain in the spirit part of that um, and why we all end up coming back to the Anglican church anyway. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm, I'm speaking sort of off the cuff a little bit, but my experience with worship leaders at a lot of non-doms, non-denominal churches or denominational churches is there's a lot of sighing. There's a lot of talking and praying and, and praying while singing, um, and that is not what happens at Redeemer. I'm not saying that you agree or disagree, but I'm saying sure, know, it, yeah. what we do is different than that. I mean, it's not to the extreme of, of very little music or high choral music, but it's definitely more high church than, say, some de- you know emo non-denominational churches. So when you so you started at Redeemer, and you've been a worship leader pretty much ever since then, right? Yeah, about eight years. In the in the early days, uh, I was just I don't know if my role was like clearly defined, but I was I was doing essentially what I do now. Just it looked a little different because some week most weeks it was just me, but essentially playing, uh, yeah, playing guitar and singing, leading the music uh, every week. So I've been doing that pretty much ever, ever since I've been there. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about you know you've had enough conversations and been there long enough now that you sort of understand what the cultural philosophy is at Redeemer. And I would ask how much you've influenced that. I'm assuming it's a lot, but what is, if we said there was a cultural philosophy around music, both music, both instrumentally and vocally. Now I want to preface that by saying that there is lots of different forms of music in churches. The high church would be like choirs and high choral and organs. And then what quote unquote low church, which is, you know, rock bands and whatever. And I, I always sort of have a problem with that because I feel like that sort of box people in, but um, where would we sort of fit in the whole, you know, pe- the whole scope the, in the in the pantheon of of church music? Where are we? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess stylistically, we would fit somewhere in the middle. That's kind of the easy answer. Um, but we, the one thing that I would say is pretty distinctive about what we do is our focus is on congregational singing. So with uh, the really high church choral stuff, um, I think it's incredibly beautiful. Uh, I really enjoy it. It doesn't always lend itself to congregational singing, though. Now, that's not always true, uh, but it can be the case. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I think the same thing is true. Uh, with a lot of modern music, uh, influenced by modern pop music, 
Um, and we can kind of go into that more if we want to. I think it's also, uh, it also doesn't lend itself as well to congregational singing. Whereas what we do is we focus on the body of Christ singing together, the church singing together. We use a lot of hymns, congregational hymns that were written. And that's what you mean by congregational singing is the the body singing. It's not just the choir singing at you or you singing at them. It's that sort of everyone's expected to be part of this. Is that what you mean by congregational singing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So in the same way, we hope the liturgy draws people in. Uh, we hope everybody can participate in the liturgy. The, we want the music to be uh, similar. We want people to be able to participate in it. It's not a performance. It's not me performing. It's not a soloist performing. Those things aren't always wrong. I don't want to start making absolute statements, mm-hmm. but uh, the general philosophy is that everybody sh- should be participating. Um, one way we like to think about it is the music is a support role. It supports the overall service, the overall liturgy. It's not sort of a main event or something that sticks out. Yeah. I. It's funny because I've attended a lot of churches in my life and been to all different kinds. And one thing that I would say about Redeemer that I find really interesting, and maybe it's a kudos to you, is that sometimes you go to churches where you're overwhelmed. You can clearly tell the worship uh, leader is like into it. And it's like, man, I missed my shot at being a rock star, so I'm going to be here at this church. And I don't get that vibe at all. And I, I don't say that just because you're sitting here, but I mean, truthfully, like if someone was just driving down the road listening to this podcast, I, I don't feel like that. I feel like what you just said about it being congregational is a very accurate description from the pews. What I see is not somebody that's sitting up there trying to get me into an emo state of mind, but rather join me in, in a participation of the worship through music. Um, so that's that's my personal experience, which which I think sort of some maybe I guess that's what you were trying to say about what congregational music is and how you see it. Yeah, exactly. I hope that when people come in, they feel like they can participate. They're not just watching me. And that goes for the whole, the whole, all the musicians. Like we're trying to get out of the way. We want people to see through the music to Christ, um, and we want it to be part of the overall service. Um, I would also hope that if, uh, and this is part of our tradition, I think, and part of uh, the way we've structured the church, that is, if one person that's in some sort of leadership leaves, the church doesn't fall apart. Um, I wouldn't think myself that important, but it could go for anybody on staff, that the idea is that if your worship service is not centered around individual personalities, um, but something else, that uh, it won't be uh, crushing to the to the congregation if somebody leaves, you know, something happens. Right. So, so it's sort of setting up a, a theme, in a sense, a cultural theme that can remain intact, even if, God forbid, you won the lottery or got hit by a bus, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> a co-worker might always the first of those, Yeah, but. most people would. <laughs> but anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about what you, what you see in the musicians or the, the, the actual instrumental portion of it. And then let's talk about the vocal portion. Okay. Um, so in terms of the instruments we use, I would say this is just what came naturally to me. Um, I grew up around this kind of music. Uh, one thing, you know, you could get as deep into this as you want, but when you talk about musical styles, there's always an element uh, of subjectivity to what people like. But one thing that seems to be true is that the culture that you're in tends to influence the kinds of music in a church. So unless you're really strictly adhering to, we're only going to do music in this very particular way, Music is going to be different church to church based on region, 
location preferences of the community. So I think that part of the reason that the instrumentation is the way it is at Redeemer is because it is at least somewhat reflective of the region we're in. I grew up hearing this kind of music. It's fair, like one of the biggest community events in Nashville is Shindig on the Green. So we try not to lean into it so hard where it becomes a gimmick and it's like folk music or bluegrass music that seems over the top or silly. But using those instruments, I don't see that as a hindrance or that there's anything wrong with that. If it got to be a distraction, it's not something that we're like committed to in a way that we would never change. And that really is maybe an even more important part of it. It's just who God has brought us. This is the churches I came from had done similar style music stylistically. At least the churches I, I learned to play church music in had done things pretty similarly, uh, pretty much since college and on. Um, so that's what I knew. And so it felt genuine for me to do that. One thing that's really important to me about church music is that it seems genuine. I could try to do really high church music or I could try to do really loud rock music. And for me, both of those would not seem genuine for me to do. And so one thing that I really want to get across in our service is that we're all being genuine in what we're doing. And then outside of me, the other musicians that play just happen to be similar in their styles. Uh, We all play other kinds of music too, but this is just kind of what we play when we get together. So that's, I would really say it's just God, who God has brought to us is a large part of why we do what we do. In fact, I've been talking to someone recently who's more skilled at high church music, and I've been talking to them about doing an even song service that Mm. would be... Don't uh, toy with me, Jonathan. (laughs) That's my sweet spot right there. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. And so when we have people that have the skill sets, uh, it may change, you know, Uh, and that's a big part of of my philosophy on music is not being tied down to one particular thing, but who has God brought to us? How can we make it most beautiful at the time? Yeah, because we're not we're not a church of four thousand members with a huge budget to hire. Right. Prof- I mean, I've been at churches where they hired professional musicians, and that was sort of their weekend gigs. Um, we are a volunteer organization, and I feel like when I sit in the pews and watch, I'm like always amazed at how many great musicians we have. In our midst, you know, one week it's going to be an amazing piano player. The next week it's somebody playing the, you know, the um, claw hammer banjo, right. you know, or the mandolin. And so I, I personally love that. I would ask that if you ever do go full emo church, that you at least have a fog machine and maybe some <laughs> lighting going on. But um, well, that's what I, the incense is for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's perfect. I will say this is kind of a weird question, and maybe you've never dealt with it, but I can't imagine that at some point we're not going to deal with it. So say somebody comes in and they're like, Hey, uh, Jonathan, or Hey, father Gary really would love to have this type of music X. Can we bring that, you know, and maybe they have a check uh, sitting in their front pocket, you know, and I really love to be part of this, but I really, the music needs to be something because I've actually seen churches fall apart over their music, which I find bizarre. But what do you do when, when somebody has a different vision than say what we at Redeemer envision, if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. So I'm pretty open to those things. I think the particular scenario that you put out there would raise warning signs. Like, we're willing to participate, but only if this changes. Um, I mean, that seems, to me, like the first thing I would think of is that seems more of you have a more consumeristic mindset about church. 
It's not what can I add to this congregation, but what can I get out of it? I think some people really do have that opinions that are that strong about music or about some other aspect of the service. And if they really do have opinions that are that strong, unfortunately, Redeemer may not be the place for them. The problem is, if we start, in my opinion, if we start changing everything we do for this person uh, or for that person, then you're going to sort of lose who you actually are, like the core of your identity as a church, culturally, culturally at least. Obviously, the core of our identity should be Christ. But um, beyond, as far as practically speaking, if you try to change for everybody, I, I don't even know what you would be at the end. But if someone has legitimate, like, hey, I love this song, I'll, I'll look at it, absolutely, and try to incorporate it if it, if it fits. I like to think that we sort of had, have guardrails on that kind of stuff um, as far as lyrics go, or you know, we don't want things to be overly sentimental. But as long as it fits within certain these, like what I think are wide guardrails, I'm happy to use it. Same thing if they wanted to participate in a particular way. Um, you know, Redeemer, we sometimes we talk about sort of our three core values, tradition, formation, and hospitality. I see the music department as uh, embodying all three of those values, too. And one way we do that, as far as hospitality goes, is allowing as many people to participate as possible. So if people are particularly skilled at, at a particular style and they want to incorporate it and it's not exactly what we do, we'll try to make it fit. And that's my vision for the music at Redeemer. It will morph and change over the years based on who is there. I don't want to have too strict of an idea or too strict of standards that it can't be moved at all. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great word. I um, I think maybe the last thing I would ask, and I, I don't even know how to ask this because I'm not a musician. I mean, I can play some mean beats guitar, but uh, as far as like uh, my wife is a musician and and loves to sing and whatever. So, I mean, you people that do it, you actually kind of understand the the actual science or whatever you want to call behind it. When you're, when you talk about the vocals, again, I'm assuming it sort of falls into that idea of congregational stylings for vocals, but how, can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I will even admit like right from the get go that a lot of this is there's been a bit of a learning curve for me, like to sing in this style, to sing in ways that are easy for people to follow along with, to sing in keys that are easy for people to follow along with. Um, that's not something, you know, learning and like by playing punk music and indie rock and stuff like that's not something you're always thinking about. So there's been a bit of a learning curve for me. And then part of the challenge with that also is using these traditional hymns and traditional melodies when you translate that to guitar, sometimes the cadences are slightly different. And so there's there's also sometimes a bit of a learning curve from people that come in that may know the song. Uh, the way we have translated it uh, into our context might be slightly different. So there's also a bit of a learning curve for some people in the congregation too. And then we also do a lot of what's called retuned hymns, which will take the text of traditional hymns and then retune them in a more modern or folk setting. Uh, so Indelible Grace, which Sander McCracken came out of, is a group that's done a lot of this. And I, when I started learning uh, to do music in church, and th that was one of my biggest resources was Indelible Grace. And so that's been really influential on me and the vocal stylings. And I would say that's not particularly unique to Redeemer. This is a very well-known uh, group in certain circles. 
Another thing we do is uh, we do what's called, or what some people call, retuned hymns. So it'll be traditional texts uh, set to more uh, modern melodies. It might be in folk style or a slightly more uh, accessible style of singing. And one of the big resources for that is Indelible Grace. Uh, Sandra McCracken, who some people may know, uh, she's a fairly well-known contemporary Christian uh, singer, worship leader. She came out of that movement, uh, Indelible Grace. There's a lot of Sovereign Grace is another group that did a lot of that. And so when I was first uh, sort of learning and being trained to do church music, that was one of the biggest resources that I had and that I was being taught a lot of these songs. So that's been pretty influential on Redeemer. Uh, it's not unique to Redeemer. Lots of people use Indelible Grace, but that is another one of our big influences. Cool. So in, in closing today, again, I always like to to sort of cater these, these podcast um, talks, whatever, to think about not only the people that are there, because, you know, when you show up every week, you kind of get a sense of things, but also for those people that are maybe new or trying to figure us out, if you had to sum up uh, maybe, and I know you, you already spoke in pretty deep detail about it, but how would, would you sum up for yourself? Like, what is it that you want when someone comes in? What do you want their musical experience to be like uh, when they leave for that day? Sure. So I guess one of my little catchphrases is transcendence through simplicity. So when people come to church, I think, especially in Asheville, they're not coming to see like an amazing show. They can do that anywhere else on almost any night of the week in town. And I think that's more and more true of people everywhere. So church music needs to be something different. It needs to tap into something different. Uh, and so one thing that we really try to do, or I try to do at Redeemer, is I want to keep it simple. I want to f- focus on contemplation, contemplating the words that we're singing, the idea that we're singing it together, but I do want it to be beautiful. I want it to take people somewhere. And I don't think this is the only way to do it, but that is sort of how I envision people encountering the music at Redeemer. I want them uh, to feel like they are encountering something different than they would at any other show in town. I want it to be quality, but I don't want it to be distracting and overstimulating uh, and distracting from the rest of the service. What we do musically at Redeemer fits into the larger service um, and the larger mission that uh, we're trying to accomplish on during our worship services. And that's one reason we keep it simple and not showy is so that it doesn't distract from the rest of the service. Uh, but I would like it to be beautiful and in some sense feel different and uh, maybe stranger than a rock show. Yeah. For sure. One of my, uh, uh, an old friend who's a pastor, she always said that when you, when you sang, it was as if you were praying twice. And I always loved that idea. And I think that for many people, including myself, you know, music is a huge part of the experience. It's not just, it's not about the emo that that's created. It's about sort of creating this centering space that for some reason music does, at least it does for me. Anybody who's ever been to a Tizay service knows sure. that, I mean, that's a big part of the Tizay service. So, I really you might you might be honestly the mellowest most humble music worship leader I've ever experienced. I there's usually a lot of um sighing and and black shirts and anyway. Um so 
I am grateful that you're doing this. I know that you're getting paid a lot of money to do it, but I, I, I know you also love uh, the being it's part of this. To get the joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, I do appreciate you and the other musicians that are here. So, any last words? I don't think so. I think that's. I think that's it. That we, was pretty painless. Awesome. Well, thank you for being with us, Jonathan. We will um, see everybody or hear everybody or talk to everybody uh, at another podcast very soon. But uh, for now, we're signing off. We will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.